you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Hey guys, here we are. Welcome to the Fanboy Planet Podcast. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And you can see, because StreamYard always plays with my mind, uh, that we've got a full deck tonight. Ooh, we do. Uh, unfortunately, Nate Costa couldn't join us, but, uh, but in addition, of course, my, our, we have a special guest in the middle here. I'm the man in the middle. Yes. Identify sure. yourself. <laughs> this is what happens when we go live, folks. Here we are. Uh, so anyway, and of course, uh, on I don't know if it, if it plays out exactly the same on this on your screens as it does on mine, but to my far right, podcast producer from the Brett Cave, Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, and here we are tonight. Thanks for joining us live. If you have, and uh, so of course, want to say if you want to join the conversation, I've got it down below. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fanboy Planet. You can also join the conversation by emailing. Uh, at, to editor at fanboyplanet.com and things we speak about uh, on, on this podcast if uh, you'd like to purchase them for, for yourself and you uh, kind of find it at your local brick and mortar store uh, we do of course have Amazon links we are affiliated with Amazon which means that a purchase made through a search box on fanboyplanet.com may, may result in revenue for us as well as uh, there are some direct links when we talk about stuff to bookshop.org, which means that actually the purchase is about the same, except that the money gets uh, you can actually uh, earmark it for your favorite local small bookstore and keep them uh, uh, help keep them a little afloat if you are in an area where you can't actually go to your local bookshop. I'm hoping it's not too many more months of this. I mean, I'd still stay with bookshop.org, but you know, I'm hoping we'll be able to actually go to our small businesses and feel comfortable doing that. You know, so, amen, right, guys? Okay, so, okay, so tonight uh, we do want to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I think is the nerd news of the week, and I do want to call out, thank you, Yvette Keller, for tuning in, and uh, happy Sunday to you. All right, well. I don't, yeah, there we go, see, there's a comment. Uh, uh, well, that's good, Rick needs friends. Uh, so, anyway, before we turn it over to the nerd news of the week, which is Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, I do want to uh, give a kind of the book of the week, what's in the bag, uh, and I'm woefully behind. So this is Rick's choice. Ready? I have no idea what's coming. Oh, wow. Go Rick right to it. matters going in there. Okay. So uh, this is partially inspired by Sal, who is here today, and we all share a, uh, a joy of this particular character, but I know Sal uh, is, is a particularly passionate worshiper, and this week we are... <laughs> yeah, are you going to take a guess, Sal? Well, it, it's not Brenda Starr, I'm guessing. So, uh, is it Bond related? It is Bond related. So, Dynamite's been doing Bond stuff, and this not this week, last week they came out with issue one of James Bond, Agent of Spectre. 
which when I first heard about this, I'm going, oh, wow. You know, they're going to, they're going to start doing like Elseworld stuff, you know, then, but this is not necessarily Elseworld any more than any of the comics that they're doing or Elseworld. In this, we get a fairly rational uh, set of experiences that lead Bond to team up with Ernst Stavros Blofeld and a a fairly threatening version of Blofeld, uh, probably more threatening than we've seen in any of the movies. So uh, I, it's, uh, it's Christos Gage is writing this and Luca Calsalagida, I think it is, uh, is the artist. Someone um, may correct this, and that's okay. And uh, and I, I I highly recommend it. I was I went into it with a little bit of trepidation. Um, I have to admit I haven't been incredibly happy with all of the uh, of the more recent uh, Bond comics. Some have been a little bit too twisty, cerebral, unspoken motivation kind of stuff. But this was really a solid book. Well, I'll be sure to pick it up when I go back into my store next week, I guess. Uh, it's probably going to be sitting in my pile. Uh, you know, I've been, I found the Dynamite Bond stuff to be, as you said, kind of a mixed bag. I really like the way they've updated some of the characters and situations. Uh, I've found the storytelling to be a little difficult to follow from issue to issue sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, they did a, a twist on Odd Job, a twist on Goldfinger, and I thought that was clever. It was uh, was that was that Greg Pack who did that? I think the Greg Pack wrote some of the miniseries. Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. he might have done the odd job stuff, and yeah. that was uh, that was pretty well done. And Christmas Dynamite's done uh, actual uh, graphic novels of Casino Royale and Live and Let Die uh, right. that are just straight adaptations. So they've been doing some interesting stuff with the property, and it's nice to see Bond sort of expanding into this area again for the first time. What? 50 years since he was a comic strip in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. I, yeah, probably closer to 50. I think that ran in the sixties and I think it was in the sixties and, and ended in the early seventies, I think. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So it's been about 50 I remember They were serialized in the, the comic comic buyer's guide. I think that was right. They would, they would do that along with modesty blaze. Hmm. Uh, both from the same kind of era of, of British mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I should add in, of course, here, not just a bet. If there's anyone else who has any comments throughout, by all means, any questions we talk, let's let's, let's get to it. I did want to say, of course, Christos Gage, we've actually talked to him on the podcast a couple of times, uh, and he is um, perhaps both best known and not known for being one of the main writers on the Spider-Man video game and Miles Morales Spider-Man video game. So he is a terrific writer. Um, so I'm really pleased that you recommended. I totally somehow missed that he had written Age of the Spectre. So now I have to go back to Earth too and <laughs> say, uh, do you guys still have this by any chance? Or look for it elsewhere. Perhaps I'll wait for it on graphic novel form and pick it up on bookshop.org. Uh-huh. Like that? Okay. So let's let's get to uh, other ways we've spent our money, which is by subscribing, some of us, paying subscription fees to HBO Max. It's not the reason I did it, but here here is the week that we have launched, uh, that Warner Brothers launched, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now, Sal Pizarro, officially man about town at Mercury News, is, uh, you know, has a limited amount of time, and he has not yet had the 15 hours required to watch this entire thing. 
but you have watched enough to say you uh, speak about the structure. I, yes, I've watched enough to where I can talk about it, and I know a lot of what happens otherwise in the parts that I haven't watched. Uh, I have not tried to go into this spoiler-free. So okay, well, the good yeah. guys. I mean, right? And so I will say that if if you are someone who has been successfully dodging spoilers and really have not found the four hours, I think it actually is. It's four hours. Four hours to, to, to watch it. Um, you know, then uh, I'm not hurt if you say, I'm just going to put this podcast away for a while until I have time to watch it. Or if you don't care and just want to hear what we have to think about it, that's fine too. But I'm just, you know, there will be spoilers ahead. There's really kind of no way around that. So for anybody who's hesitating on four hours, it is nicely broken up into chapters. And you could, mm -hmm. you could just say, I'm just going to watch one chapter. And each chapter is about 40 minutes long. They're not all even, but yeah. Now, yeah, we watched the first two chapters the night it dropped and then realized what well, we have to work in the morning. Um, and that's not a cut on that. It was just that, you know, it was, it was late when we were able to get started. And uh, so uh, we watched the rest Friday night. And, yeah, I'm going to say the, the odd thing is, like, I, what I suspected. Like Batman v Superman, when Zack Snyder was allowed to do his extended director's cut, though it made it about an hour longer, and in this case, made the movie about two hours longer. It is a better film, but I'm not 100% sure I can say it is a great film or it is the Justice League we waited for. So, you know, I because I, I still don't like the way he thinks Superman is, but yeah, yeah that, that's I went back and because you know, I've got a lot more time than anybody really should on my hands. And your official title is Gentleman of Leisure. And, and so can we get can we get a Mercury column for Rick? Uh, uh, it, and it would just be the three dots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every week I can do that. As long as we can expense his cocktails. That's what really matters. Uh, but yeah. but what I did, I did go back and watch Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, you did have too much time on your head. I mean, I was actually that was great, but I was actually uh, I actually started watching Aquaman, and then I realized, oh no, this one comes after. Um, and then and then I watched uh, uh, Justice League, and I've actually watched the first and the last hour of Justice League two times now. So just I I, I would I would kill for your schedule right now, Rick. I, I really would. <laughs> <laughs> I invited Sal on just to get mad at you. Uh, that's really. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd be happy to have you take over this week because I've been deep cleaning my shower. You know, getting uh, recalking and uh, and you know, I'd be happy to turn that I, over. I, you know, I would take that on. I would absolutely take that okay, on. I, good. I, I managed to catch two hours. Now my kids are mad at me because they they wanted they wanted to see. They're like, you started watching Justice League without us, and I said, hey. It's rated R. I need to check it out first to make sure that it's okay for you guys to watch. Well, uh, now let me let me help you with that. There are three F words, uh, three F bombs, two of which I accept because they are characters that I don't care that they said it, uh, and the third one, which I think is what makes it the R. I mean, no one's ever really one hundred percent sure what crosses you over from PG thirteen to R, but there's the urban myth at least, and it's prevalent. That it's three f bombs, and um, and it's Batman near the very end, 
And honestly, you know, it's like, oh yeah, for the same reason I didn't like All-Star Batman and Superman. That's not Batman, even pushed to the edge. That that doesn't make it edgy. That doesn't make it worth an R-rated. It doesn't make the movie better. But, you know... Um, that was Ben Affleck. You know, well, and then he took a swig of vodka, and no, I, I, I don't want to make light of I know there's a lot of pressure. And I'll say out of this... That's one of the, to me, almost like the tragedies of of all the crap that went down with this, is the the amount of pressure they that that cast was actually under. Both, I won't say necessarily Zack Snyder's part, but all what we're now finding out, all the weird things and, and that uh, that Warner Brothers was doing, uh, the pressure putting on that it kind of drove. It was so much on Ben Affleck who was going to then write direct and star in the next film, uh, the next Batman solo movie. And then he says, step back. He's like, well, I'm not going to direct it. And Matt Reeves stepped in and then, and then Matt Reeves had his own take. And so Ben Affleck said, okay, you don't need to use my screenplay. And then he finally went like, I just can't take it. Uh, you know, and, and stepped away to work on his mental health. Allegedly he came back to do some scenes for Zack Snyder and, and whatever they are, whatever those shots are, I can't tell. So I do want to say, you know, let's, let's, let's throw on some positives. Definitely Ben Affleck's performance is allowed to be stronger. He's not putting out, and it's not, to, in this case, rip on Joss Whedon's one-liners. But, you know, he's not throwing those out uh, mm -hmm. other than, you know, the I'm rich line, and that was Zack Snyder. So I was kind of I was he, cool with he that. Also gets, he also gets to brood more. There's yeah, he a lot more senses Batman this time. There's a lot more quiet time in this in this version. There's not mm -hmm. dialogue isn't just jammed in. They're they're like when when the uh, Amazon temple collapses into the sea. Mm -hmm. There's notably much more time of quiet before we find out what actually happened. You know, there's I've I should admit, yeah, I went back and watched the two hour cut of Justice League too. No, I've seen that a couple of times because it was all we had, you know. Um, yeah. And I what so then if you've watched more recently, you can correct for me. I felt walking watch walking away from Joss Whedon's that uh, the Amazons were all killed by Steppenwolf, and I was pleased. If my memory was wrong, okay, but my but I was pleased to be confirmed that at least some of them are alive that hippolyta has not been killed that she could appear in in later films no that that scene where um where the long chase for the mother box with yeah. steppenwolf mm -hmm. ends with uh the amazons just flooding over the hill and that's when steppenwolf takes off so they aren't all killed the ones yeah. the ones from the temple that's hippolyta hesitated because she knew she was signing their death. No, no, no. I, she's not yeah. in Zack Snyder's, but were they all killed in Joss Whedon's cut? Of yes. It? Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I was pleased that the in one, Zack Snyder's, yeah. that this is the, the positive. It was just one temple. It wasn't all the Amazons. Right. It, you know, so that, because clearly, you know, and Patty Smith, uh, Patty Jenkins has said the same thing. You know, it's like they want to make it a movie of just the Amazons. And I could see where there would be an audience for that, just like they want to make an Aquaman movie that's about the trench. That's not really about Aquaman. It's about these side characters who, let's face it, might not be as expensive to put in a film from the actor's point of view because their contracts are not as expensive. Uh, yeah. But 
but on the other hand, I mean, that's that's kind of cool. I will say I had a moment where I, I just like, I was so taken aback. And I just the, the seven year old me, the very first issue of The Flash I ever had was that, and Rick and some maybe both know this. I don't know which issue it was. It was 1972. Carrie Bates, who was the writer of The Flash at the time, is going back to his college town for a class reunion. And he's plotting the next issue of The Flash in his head. And his mental powers grow so great that instead of where whatever town it was, this cloud comes up and you see the skyline of Central City. And when Zack Snyder introduces Barry Allen and the skyline of Central City is a dead ringer for what it is in the comics, and I don't think the TV show has ever done that. Oh, and, and you didn't even need this establishing shot from outside. But when I said, I know that panel, it's Irv Novik, you know? <laughs> it's just like, I, I think we've said it with every one of Snyder's movies, you can't say he doesn't know the comics and he doesn't, you know, love the comics. I can say I don't think I think that he and I have different uh, different uh, interpretations of these characters. And hey, Michael David Lynch, since it's Cinequest, I just to call out filmmaker Michael David Lynch. Wasn't his what, what was his movie? Friends, effing friend? No, no, no. no. Um, oh. and, uh, Michael saying he enjoyed the cut. Uh, which is cool. I'm just trying to think of the name of his movie, but I know I reviewed it on Fanboy Planet and Cinequest a few years ago. So, Michael, man, I I, I really want to hang out with, with you, Will. Um, and I'm going to agree with this comment. Wish we could have had more of Dark Side. So, and, and thank you, Michael, just correct me. It's Dependence Day, so I'm going to make that for the audio podcast. That's Dependence right. Day, which is on Amazon Prime. Really funny comedy about taxes. Tis the season. But anyway, let's get back to to the Snyder cut. Um, and I do think that it made, it was nice to see more of the fourth world and to really get that sense of where Steppenwolf, even though I don't like the design of Steppenwolf, where yeah, I, When I saw the sod, I was just like over the, over the hill, over the, over my head. No, over you're the over hill. the hill, but, but yeah. you're over the moon. And then, okay. And then was, I was over the moon. And then, um, the uncredited Granny Goodness was great. Yeah. And I'm going to say a dark side thing because the Oregon Shakespeare Festival has not responded to me about, I, I tweeted this out. I saw Ray Porter, who plays dark side, play a Dromeo in the Comedy of Errors in 1990 at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And so I'm so pleased, like, wait a minute, I know who that actor is. And, you know, it's a dumb little past thing, but he's a, he's a great classically trained actor. Which for Zack Snyder's vision makes sense. And I think in my Batman v Superman review, as much as I get why people don't like it, and I don't really much either, it's operatic. It's opera. And Zack Snyder's Justice League is an opera. To the point that we take a two-minute song break in Norway uh, <laughs> or Iceland or wherever that is. That was kind of weird. Oh, and don't, <laughs> don't forget the sweater sniffing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was disturbing. That was just yes. like, yeah. Um, I, 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 I have two theories. Violated. I have two theories. And one is that either uh, Zack Snyder's hoping that Disney will step in by Warner Brothers and his Justice League Frozen crossover can happen. <laughs> or really, though, still coming from the, uh, from the mythology or rather from the original fairy tale uh, is that I, I, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he was setting up Ice Maiden in the back of his head and never bothered naming her. Just like, because when he was doing all this originally, right, he thought he had five movies to yeah. tell this story. And so I'm going to throw out, uh, uh, no, this is the note from a uh, question. Wish we could be getting a part two now. Yeah. Well, well, the rumors are no. that, no, no, no. As of yeah. today, Warner Brothers is saying, Maybe really? because as of Friday, after like three months of Zack Snyder saying, no, 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 this is it. I'm done. You know, they're not going to do this. He gave an interview to Entertainment Weekly owned by the same company that owns Warner Brothers Studios and HBO Max. And he said, yeah, you know, uh, they might be coming back to me for Justice League Part 2, in which case, you know, all right, I'd, I'd come back. So it's all been a big game. We have all been played. And, uh, you know, they, I, no, no, we haven't been played, but it's very interesting that I think after all this behind the scenes, everything that we were told about what happened, I, I find this movie, uh, it is what it is, but it is also a revelation of how much we are, and maybe we shouldn't be anyway, you know, but we're not privy to what's really going on behind the scenes. Yes, because of a family tragedy, Zack Snyder did have to step down. One of the reasons, as it has slowly been coming out in the last few months, is it wasn't just the pressure of his family tragedy. It was the pressure of studio notes telling him to make it more like the Avengers, make it more like, like Marvel, and that wasn't what he wanted to do. So the pressure was getting, you know, he's grieving, he's mourning, and I will, I will never, you know, take anything away from that pain. It made sense for his own mental health, like Ben Affleck step, stepping away from being Batman, that Zack Snyder had to step away from doing Justice League and heal emotionally and mentally from what was going on with his own family life. The story was that he handpicked Joss Whedon to replace him, to step in because Joss Whedon had come in to tinker with the script at the studio's request. And then that's, and then that's not true. Zack Snyder walked away, the studio put Joss Whedon in there because Joss Whedon directed the Avengers. So Joss Whedon must be the guy who can fix this to make the, make Justice League like the Avengers. Now, whether you liked it or not, and I think that movie was a lot of fan service, and the barest bones of the plot, the bare bones of the plot are pretty much the same. You can see what was Zack Snyder's uh, bit, you know, shots um, still driving the plot of, of Joss Whedon's version, but you can all see where Joss Whedon just wanted to get to the point. And for the first time after seeing it, I totally get why Ray Fisher was so ticked. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because this, this is the cyborg origin film, and his <clears throat> it makes so much more sense. It's so, it's a, even though the origin itself is kind of by the numbers superhero that he got a chance to embody it and that we got to understand Cyborg's powers better than we really have even on uh, on, on Doom Patrol, um, you know, oh, that, yeah. that it's like, oh, this part makes sense and this part makes sense. And you get a lot more. I didn't necessarily need Barry Allen saving Iris West because that's not going to even, you know, that'll pay off if a Flash movie ever gets made. But right. on the other hand, it, you realize you don't have to write Barry Allen one-liner. You don't have to write Ezra Miller punchlines in order to make that character light and fun. It's still not the Barry Allen I read in that first Flash comic back in the 70s, but it's it's a decent take. Yeah, and, I, thought, 
that 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 scene that scene is just a reaction to the Quicksilver scene in in X Men. Um, I've forgotten X Men. One of the last movies, Days of Future Past, maybe. Or the Days of Future Past. Okay. The, the, well, the I also one. I love that scene, Rick, because it much like uh, Derek's, you know, being drawn back to that comic from the seventies. That scene reminded me of Barry Allen's first appearance in Showcase because you see the hot dogs. Right. And if you remember the first time when he's in the diner and he's seeing everything falling, there's hot dogs on the plate that are falling. And so now there's hot dogs that he grabs out of the air. Um, and I, I saw that and I thought, oh, that's that's a nice now, little thing. You just earned your place at this panel because <laughs> you outzorlacked me. I do not remember that from Showcase number four. Yeah, you've got this, you've got this great uh, panel of Barry Allen looking up, just sort of frozen. And you can see like the peas and the French fries and the hot dogs uh, coming off this yeah. plate. So oh, that makes that makes makes sense. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I I could say that the thing I don't like about Joss we actually not Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder's work is all the slow mo. Like you could cut a half hour worth of slow mo, and that would cut half an hour out of the, out of the runtime. I also think most of the epilogue, I mean, maybe this has paid off for him that he gets to, you know, if he does get to make Justice League 2 now, the epilogue now is required. But um, what's canon now? Which movie is canon? Well, okay, so it's been kind of, um, you know, they're playing fast and loose. It's almost like they're doing in the comics now, right? It's like uh, it's... uh, I, I've lost track of their names with so a trying not to give uh, Mark Wade and Grant Morrison credit. Uh, Hypertime now it's called oh shoot. Um, there's a thing that that I've read about that really bothers me like the something verse. It's the something verse, the linear verse, the linear verse in which everything that's happened has happened because they did start in 1938. Like that it is the same Clark Kent from 1938 to 2020 and that everybody just ages really, really slowly. And of course, the problem I have with that is that if you're not caught in the energy that ages you at the speed of the superheroes, you're watching a lot of people stay really, really young. I know it does explain Hollywood, but it does not, you know. That's how Tom Cruise does it. Um, Yeah, Tom Cruise is clearly, clearly secretly a superhero. But uh but the idea that it, it's just in and out, like so. The thing about in as you as Rick mentioned, Aquaman. Uh, Mira mentions in Aquaman that he helped save the world from Steppenwolf. So it is still there. It is still acknowledged that Justice League happened somewhere in between films. Mira lost her British accent. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> nice one. She's been watching too much American TV. Maybe it's a Hilaria Baldwin kind of thing where she was just. Uh, maybe. Uh, so that is yeah. very odd. Um, you know, and I don't think you can very well uh, reconcile, <laughs> reconcile um, those things. And, and so, you know, I'm going to say, uh, I think Michael joined a little late. He's saying Snyderverse is now Elseworlds. But the thing is, now Zack Snyder's saying, no, they might. Put it back on track for me because there is nothing necessarily. Patty Jenkins has gone on record and said, like, even which, you know, which I was reading, we were paying attention to what Zack Snyder set forth. So, Wonder Woman 1984, for all its strengths and all its flaws, because it is not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, is still trying 
to to say that Wonder Woman had dropped out from public view. She was, you know, she's not known in the '80s. Uh, it's a stretch, but it's still kind of there so that they can justify where things are in Justice League. Um, the Flash, who knows? Cyborg, who knows? I mean, because the other thing is, the question is, has Ray Fisher burned all bridges with Warner Brothers uh, as it stands right now? Uh, you know, it, it's it's more to, to uh, you know, let, let more of that story play out. I would also say that there is at least one former DC staffer who has started um, posting about what was going on at DC at the time. And again, how these public stories were not what was actually happening. And I, I don't want to go further in there because, you know, I, I don't know the implications. This is another one of those stories where I go, I just want to live long enough and have enough eyesight to read the book that actually explains what happened at this point about movies that I loved because we don't, we don't really know the truth, you know, one so of the, slide, it, it, oh yeah, go ahead, Rick. One of my favorite parts of this, which plays into that, was the 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 first Age of Heroes sequence, which is a lot longer and and, and much more involved. Um, and I had not was it obvious in the first cut that that Ares was the one who took out Darkseed, Darkseid? I will no, I will. no. I know. Uh, it was not that obvious. It was all kind of distanced and scrambled, and you saw, yeah. like, there was, I know, you know, a Green Lantern appeared. Um, and then Did really, he? Yeah, there was a Green Lantern, and the, I don't think the ring yeah. thing happened. I think we might have from a distance seen the okay. ring fly off. Um, we certainly yeah. didn't have to focus on Zeus that we got in yeah. this one. Um, yeah. And so it, it, that sequence did make a lot more sense. It's Have interesting... It, it brought Darkseid into the storyline, too, much more than just the images on the other end of the boom tube. Yes, and Rick, let's both push our glasses up right now because actually at that time in history, he wasn't Darkseid. He was Uxas, U-X-A-S. Uh, and because it, it, he goes, leaves, like, this is the thing, like, Zack Snyder's kind of given in interviews, like, says that's Uxas is like, how would anybody know that's the difference, but he comes back as Darkseid. Darkseid does not appear in the beginning of that film. It's like, what? <laughs> no, no. It was, uh, but, but uh, you know, it, it is interesting because there was, we knew more care, more heroes were going to appear. Another character that gets edited back in into Zack Snyder's vision is Ryan Choi, the oh, Adam. That was cool. Who was completely cut out of Joss Whedon's cut. And I know who you're thinking, Rick, is because they, boy, they just put like neon signs all around to say the Martian Manhunter. And you know what? Honestly, that kind of bothered me because, I mean, the ending appearance did not bother me at all. I thought that was really cool. Like he should have right. shown up and then he could have shown he was the general. But posing as Martha Kent, sorry, spoilers, when it served no purpose when it was clear that Martha Kent has that kind of relationship with Lois. It was, was horrific. Yeah. It, was, it was horrific. When that happened, the moment he stepped out the door, I went, that's just awful. That's, yeah. He should have known how awful he was being. Um, so, so let us say, there are horrible, there are still jaw-droppingly bad moments in, in this film. I heard, I, I read somewhere that um, the Manhunter was put in because they were told not to use Green Lantern 
in in that sequence in in, in well in the original age of age of uh, heroes he wasn't supposed to be in there and they, they kept on going back can we use John can we use John Stewart later and they they basically said okay they let the one in the age of age of heroes go but they didn't want to have any more establishment of the Green Lantern because they're not sure what they're going to do with that property. So right. that's why we got ended up with with Martian Manhunter landing at the end. And actually, for the for the mysterious ending business and having to, we're going to have to look into where uh, the anti life equation is. That I think he worked better anyway, but yeah. not yeah. not in the Martha Kent sequence. That's that was fine because cool. I, I I do love uh, I do love having love for the Martian Manhunter as one of the founding members of the Justice League in comics who is often retconned out because he's not one of their most popular characters. I tell you, though, I was expecting the world's greatest detective to offer him an Oreo. That would have been a very cool moment. Although, uh, wait, no, uh, it would not be an Oreo. It would be a chocolate. Anyway, that's what it is in DC Comics. To like, show that Batman already knew about him, and not only that, he knew his preferred cookie. Yes, uh, that would be that would have been great. I'm I, I'm with you because that, that was one of my favorite subtle things in uh, in Smallville when you flash yeah. back when they introduced the Macho Man Hunter. It was the wrappers of the cookie boxes that were left mm-hmm. behind. You go, and I can remember uh, with my with my first wife going like, <laughs> and then it was like, just don't explain it to me, Derek. Please don't. Can I go to bed now? You know, <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with, with Dark Side coming. The interesting thing too with the Green Lantern is you know that la- last week Ryan Reynolds actually he claims for St. Patrick's Day watched Green Lantern for the very first time. Oh, he never actually seen the final cut, and he so doesn't he, think it's bad. <laughs> yeah, he looked thanks. He loaded up. Uh, he had a bottle of Aviator Gin, Aviation Gin, which is his company. And he started live tweeting throughout. And at the end, he's like, oh, it really, you know, my favorite tweet is, uh, the performance of the oath is good. I really stand by my my performance of the oath. You know, and then by the time he gets to the end, he's like, and, and Taika Watiti, who was in as Thomas Kamaku, uh, also, like, started tweeting uh, opposite him. They were having a little tweet war throughout <laughs> it. And they were like, he's like, yeah, it's actually entertaining. I mean, it's just—it's not the movie I I want it to be, but it's not bad, which is how I felt way back when with that too. So you know, we're never getting the movies we absolutely want in our heads. We just get the movie that Warner Brothers paid for. I do think this is at least closer to a vision than we get. You know, I mean, because I know like Aquaman is a mess of a movie. It absolutely is. But I love it because it's just so chock full of every single piece of mythology about DC's Atlantis that there could possibly be. And Topo plays the drums, which somehow needs to get into a theme song. But, you know, and Topo plays the drums. Speaking of, I mean, music in general, I or sound in general in the movie, there was a lot of subtle sound changes in this the when we first get cyborg introduced, man, his body makes so much more sound and thrumming and background hums and stuff than the first the first sequence, and then we lose a lot of Danny Elfman stuff. So like, yeah, I didn't like the score. I, I you know, other than the themes that they pulled back in from pre the previous films that had existed, right. I I thought it was it was kind of jarring. Like, I mean, you can give you know Barry Allen something a little more modern. Because 
he's in this version 23 or 20 which he probably was in that showcase number four it's just that every adult seems so much older in the 50s once you were over 18 right. you know and um you know so you could get away with that cyborg could have something a little more electronica but i just you know i, I love john williams score for superman and superman 2 of course but i gotta give it up i, th I think it was was it james newton howard who wrote the new theme for Man of Steel? And I got my issues with Man of Steel, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the music, that is, it's stirring. And that, you know, you remember that piece of animation they did for Superman 75th, where they went from the thir 1938 right, to the right, modern, right. and they yeah. shifted among theme songs? I'm like, there is not a single theme for Superman that has been wrong. You know, it's like they're all stirring, they're all inspiring. And when it ends with the Man of Steel theme, I'm like, all right, if nothing else, I got to give it up for the theme. I do love that. So when they played that at the end, but he looked to me like he was opening his shirt at the end to a black suit. And I don't yes, like that. Was. I don't yeah. like that. However, and I told Rick and Sal this before we started uh, broadcasting, that uh, it will fit better uh, when Zack Snyder and HBO Max release next month the black and white version of the Snyder Cut, because then I won't be able to tell that it's a uh, black and silver suit instead of the blue and red that I want to see. Yeah, well, look at George Reeves in 1953. Yes, that, that, that suit was gray. You're right. I think HBO is calling it the gray cut, and Snyder's saying, oh, it's just my black and white. I've had it all along. So well, I, I love the black suit because it was a callback to the death of Superman when he comes back out of the. No, no, I, un I understand. I get that, and but I didn't I mean, mind it. And when he was fighting Darkseid, but right. at the very end, it's like go back to the sure, hope. Yeah, yeah, give me the blue and red. It's more interesting, you know. He's still it, got it, the hope symbol on there. Which He's getting just back, just, just diving in quickly again and saying Superman and Lois, great suit. Great suit in that in that series. Yeah, yeah. so there there it is. If I could if I could get Henry Tyler Cavill to be able to portray a Superman closer to the way that Tyler Hecklin uh, is allowed to portray it, because um, he's got the sparkle, and I think and that's the one thing that I missed from Joss Whedon's is that cell phone footage at the beginning with the kids, and uh, you know that where. Henry Cavill, despite the fact that his mustache is CG'd out, and that looks terrible, he's at least allowed to show that he is inspirational to children, which I admit, you know, Wonder Woman at least got to do that too in the in the Paris uh, bank, in the weird thing of like, uh, Diana's just killed like 10 terrorists into bloody pulps against the walls. And the little girl says, can I be like you? You can be anything. <laughs> yes, you too can be a psychotic anti-terrorist killer, which I think should bring us to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, because I, but I do want to say Troy Benson, who I tried to get on tonight, but he said he couldn't be uh, enough hundred percent time is that he doesn't think Ezra Miller has ever actually run in his life. And Troy, who is a far bigger Superman fan than I am. And I think I, I love Superman, but thank you, Troy. That's why we're friends. Um, anyway. Uh, Can we talk about one more thing before we lose Superman? Of course. The, 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 per, the the Zack Snyder cut version of Steppenwolf was so much better than the original. Oh no, so much more personality and so much characterization and motivation. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and the whole thing about his armor constantly moving, and then the the whole his showing obeisance to Darkseed Darkseid by having it all come down 
when he kneels before Darkseid, which of course sets up the the big final ending with uh, Diana. You know, it's also interesting as a visual that it more mirrors Cyborg because both of them have their armor from the mother box. And oh, so, really? yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. the, 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 that's that's what's powering everybody in Apocalypse, right? It's Apocalypsean technology. Okay. Because we haven't introduced new Genesis at all. Right. You know, it is all just this is this is Apocalypse, but Cyborg's armor works the way it does because of Mother Box. So you know, right. you may not need Mother Box to exist anymore, but that's what it's pulled from. So it makes it an interesting. Difference, but uh, what I was going to say about uh, the anti-terrorist thing is that Falcon the Winter Soldier drops a night later, or a mor the morning after Justice League, and uh, yes, uh, I, Rick made a, 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 a snide remark and not un unfair that the last half of that first episode is rather boring. You will believe a man can be denied a bank loan, uh, so uh, but. The opening sequence was, I mean, you know, cool. And reintroducing Batrock and introducing yeah. a Flag Smasher. He's more alluded to as a character, but there's an organization that also calls themselves the Flag Smasher. So I think we may actually get a centralized character who calls himself Flag Smasher. But that idea of introducing the geopolitics into uh, into this, and there's a comment made about, you know, no, no world... You know, we, we'd all be equal, and you kind of go, well, isn't that sort of what the Avengers are supposed to be doing, protecting the world? But it, does it depend on who's actually wielding the power? Well, that's the whole thing about U.S. Agent, uh, and that is that he work he answers to the government, and when and when he was introduced, uh, that was when Steve became Nomad. Right, I remember that. And, or, and no, no, um, he walked away. Nomad was the seventies because that was Steve had the cape, and then right. stepped on the cape. No, Flag Sma um a U.S. agent is later. He's in the Mark Gruenwald run, and but, uh, but Steve had stepped away. Steve did step away from being Captain America. I'm sure there was another cap. Oh, was that that one in the fifties? Cap came forward. The fifties, Bucky became uh, became Nomad. Right. Right, and and John Walker was U.S. agent, but he was first Captain America, okay. and and then they had a whole team, and so yeah, it's um it's interesting, and it's not a spoiler to say because it was in the trailer for the film that he shows up, but it's a very interesting uh, betrayal there. So I would say that yes, I was not as captivated by this first episode as I was say with Wandavision, but of course it was also twice as long, and yeah. was trying to also make a point. Uh, I think there's something about artists in there. Where you know Sam says you know well how do you get, get your money well there's like the goodwill of people who were not paid so much and given goodwill like by you a bank officer who will see his way to give us a loan so we can start a small business and uh, you know and the irony of that is the other weird little scandals come out is Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark created the Winter Soldier who of course you know you go back into the history of comics was Bucky was allegedly, I mean, for 30 or 40 years, considered dead. There and was even a phrase. It was, is he Bucky dead? Is, is he Bucky dead? Now I have to say it's Uncle Ben dead, and now I think oh. spider ruined that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that he, uh, at Brubaker's, you know, he created Winter Soldier because he said, wait, there's no actual issue that shows Bucky dying. It's all just assumed he did because Cap fell into the ice, 
you know, and the last thing he remembered, he just assumed. So they bring him, you know, he brought him back, created him, becomes this big thing. Winter Soldier is an insanely popular character for licensing as well, which is always important. And all that Ed Brubaker has gotten is a thanks. And so he says, it's mixed emotions. Please do not come back to me. You know, I may, I may get over it because I knew I was work for hire, but don't come to me. And I, I think that's a shame when you know that like Bill Mantlo granted has huge medical bills that Disney and Marvel are taking care of him for having created rocket and, you know, and, and several key uh, things in the guardians of the galaxy and, and other, other characters as well. And it just seems like, I know Ed Rubiger's not hurting, but you can give a small percentage like Marv Wolfman said out of, out of the dark night, or maybe it was Len. I can't remember who created Lucius Fox, but he said like uh, the Batman begins paid for my kitchen because DC had a policy to make sure that if your character gets used and that may have changed too in the last few years when things get more corporate and AT&T owes $5 billion that, um, that, you know, they, Paul Levitz, when he was in charge of DC made sure that if a character got used in another media, you got some kind of payment because at that point you could track who had created those characters. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's just One thing, bothersome. Yeah. In that line, when um, when they brought Winter Soldier forward and they had Cap die, and they had Winter Soldier become Cap, he had the very controversial gun on his hip that we saw on the hip of the new Captain, uh, the new government-approved Captain America at the end yeah. of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting conversation. The other thing that you know, I want to talk with that show, and, and Saul brought up Superman and Lois too. We've got DC doing this nice work over over on CW, which, you know, we've got our, our pros and cons about it. Ultimately, it's still a CW show and its audience, even though it's an older idea of Superman and Lois, their parents, it's about those twins. You know, it, it's about the teen audience that's going to watch it. It's not for me. Okay. But with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it was meant to be the first Marvel Marvel Studios show on Disney+. And then COVID-19 shut down filming. Um, and so WandaVision, because it was a lot of soundstage work and could isolate a little better because I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier was in, uh, Bulgaria and Rom Romania and, you know, a lot of places that were having a difficult time keeping control uh, of, of the, the, the COVID-19 virus. Um, the WandaVision ended up being first and the, the take I'm, I'm saying is it, both of these shows do directly address that uh, the effects of the blip or, or the snap, depending right. on where, where you are, is that one of the problems that Sam Wilson has is he literally disappeared for five years and did you know he did not exist, and and that comes out of the end of Wandavision. But I think this is going to more directly, you know, although Wandavision did talk about it with with Monica Rambeau, like coming right. back into existence and missing her mother's death um that in this case it, it is it is again more direct in the show i think be more on the ground and more for what it's worth reality based uh is going to be dealing more with that with that effective you're going to see a lot of people that are that are doing what happens when people disappeared for five years i really appreciate that and mcu has really done a good job of that throughout their series even from the the first avengers movie where the fact that New York got uh, invaded 
there, people were talking about it in later films. And then there was the technology that was being sold in the Spider-Man movie. And, um, that, that, and there's a short on one of the DVDs too, um, with not Kat Dennings, um, God, you know, there, there's one about them, about people doing the black market before Spider-Man did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, doing, they're doing a better job of it than they ever did in the comics. In the comics, you have an invasion one month, and the next month, nobody talks about the fact that there are scrolls everywhere, or you had yeah. spaceships in the sky raining fire down on New York. Those are those are big stories, and they should have. Sometimes they remember they have damage control as, a, as an organization. Sometimes. When they need to bring that book back, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know that that was. Uh, it, I think there'll be more to see. I'm going to get more interested in talking to Winter Soldier because we're going to see Baron Zemo in his mask. I don't think they're going to call him Baron, but he will be at least Helmut Zero, and he's wearing that purple that purple mask. I still think there was in a trailer. It looked like uh, Sin, who in the comics was Red Skull's daughter. Right. Uh, seems to be uh, a possibility there. And I'm sure there'll be more characters because once you're introducing John Walker, there's, a, uh, you could have that. Is it Jack, Jack Roper? No, it can't be Jack Roper. Maybe it is. Jack Roper is, uh, is the, the, 19, the yes. 19th. Jack Roper. Jack Tripper. Jack Tripper. Because remember, he was always Mr. tripping Roper. over things. Mr. Roper. Mr. Roper. And yes, he was always roping Jack into his schemes, and Jack was always tripping over things. Uh, but but that uh, Jack, I, so I think it's Jack Roper. Somebody can correct me, uh, who became Nomad, but was the 1950s Bucky uh, substitute. Uh, you know, he might pop up. There's more, and, and we can tie this into in comics. For uh, Captain America's 80th anniversary, they're doing the United States of Captain America as a comic series yep. in which they're introducing an LGBTQ captain because the idea is that if, if you're a character that inspirational, you're going to uh, – that the people will want to pick up the mantle and make their own shield and make their own co- – so they'll be, including John Walker, touring the United States and seeing where people have taken on to protect their towns and to Did protect their communities. Uh, it, I, it's coming out in June, but I did post – the art that Marvel released uh, at uh, on, on Fanboy Planet last week. So there was, it's, it's been, there was a big Captain America book this week. I didn't, I, there have been many, but yeah, because they're doing a year long thing. But this particular title will be in in June. There was like a, there was an 80th anniversary Captain America book uh, special and in in shops this week. But this one's coming. Out, this United States of Captain America is in June. So you know. Interesting ideas, and there's a lot of universe to play there. And of course, they also officially announced that June is when we'll get Loki, and you know that's that's more exciting than uh, anything. Who knows what's going to happen next with DC uh, Extended Universe, whatever it exists to be. Black and White Zack Snyder Justice League Two. I didn't need the epilogue, but okay, it's there. You know that the wrong the movie's going to get made or it's not going to get made, and it doesn't matter what I think. Because everybody's watching this thing. When you saw Jared Leto, did you think, is this all happening in Bruce's head? Because he's well, I knew it was a dream. I knew it was a dream, but I'm also. I mean, mean, from the point of view of the future, uh, of when we were watching it, and Bruce is looking over and he sees the Joker, and I'm thinking, if he's just a voice in his head, that'd be cool. That he lives on. He lives it on. Maybe because I, I I didn't really notice the rest of the people in the future 
reacting, noticing that the Joker's sitting on the hood of a car. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say this, you know, is that I, I've not watched the extended cut of Suicide Squad, but I've had friends tell me that I should find it because, like everything else, it plays better when Warner Brothers did not actually induce cuts that the director writer did not want to do and that Jared Leto comes across a little better in that. I didn't think that the Joker in Suicide Squad was as horrible as everybody else thinks. The problem is what these characters all run into is, with the exception, oddly, of Batman, that the designs, people want them to be the same as they were in 1940 to 1950. And if the Joker was created, it you know first appeared in 2010, he might look an awful lot like what what Jared Leto did. Yeah. You know, so just like in was it the Batman that had him in the <laughs> uh, in, in the straight jacket? Mm -hmm. and, and whenever he appeared, you know, in the animated series. And people hated that. And they hated that the Riddler looked like Marilyn Manson. And I thought, but in 1998, it makes yeah. an awful lot of sense to me that a young man who's crazy and wants to ask riddles would take a goth look like that. You know, so I mean that's the problem. We've got these trademarks, these images that are 80 years old. Yeah. And it's time to, you know, if somebody freshens it up, I got to let go. You know, so I thought it was a good, Jared Leto was better though in this than he was allowed to be in Suicide Squad. I mean, of the many things that Marvel may be doing better than DC on several fronts, allowing their characters' looks to update organically has been one of them. I mean, think about even just one of the silliest looking Spider-Man villains, Electro from his first appearances in the 60s to what they would later do with him. I mean, you know, he lost the, the yellow. You don't like the, the Reddy Kilowatt look? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever happened to Reddy Kilowatt? Oh. I, you know, I, you know, I, I, mean, I found it because that, that for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, that was like a comic character that PG&E the real bad guys uh, that PG and E had said to do education things for the kid, for kids, school kids in the fifties, sixties and seventies. And I remember getting comic books every year, like little, like kite flying, how to make kites and ready kill kites, yeah. teams up with superheroes. And, and that's, a bad, that's a bad, that's a bad pairing. Uh, uh, lightning and kites. That's uh, well, no, but that was, but that was the point. Like keep away right. from the power lines, you know, teach the kids that way. But it was funny because you know we were we were clearing out stuff from mom's house and we found like all this educational material from the sixties. She had all in a filing cabinet and a huge packet from PG&E. And my brother's like, "What the hell is this man that's made out of lightning? <laughs> a light bulb?" And I, just, I I just did some quick research cool. and Ready Kilowatt introduced in nineteen twenty six. Wow. wow, yeah, predates any. DC or Marvel superhero. So he is the original shared universe because he could cross over like access. He could cross over to any universe he wanted to. That's right. And his, one of his notable aliases was the mighty Adam. So that might tell you what happened to him. He Probably got sued out of existence. Yeah. 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 Okay. That might be, that might be all right. Well, uh, Sal, uh, you are, I'm going to say, you know, thank you for joining us tonight because I realize uh, that Sal uh, joined us after a day of 
we're not as important, uh, as powerful as Eddie Izzard. But uh, that's how Sal started his day. And he chose to end his day with us. And we're very honored. Sal was interviewing Eddie Izzard for CineQuest. Or Sal, tell me, are we calling it CineQuest or CineJoy? You know, I'm just calling it CineQuest because I believe in consistent branding. Uh, Thank you. You know, it's 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 what people know. I don't want to have to explain CineJoy to people and say, no, no, that's what they're calling the virtual edition. Well, where do we, where do we fit with Cinnabon? Cinnabon. Well, I, I fit with Cinnabon anytime I can. Uh, okay. All right. But I'll tell you, this is a great way to start the day, great way to end the day. Uh, feels You're like interviewing Sam Neill this week, too, aren't you? Yes, Thursday night. So he's got a movie, Rams, which is a remake of a, I think, a Danish film? Yeah, Mike Mike talked about Mike it. With that, yeah. Talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So, okay. Very cool. So, so uh, people, there's still time uh, to go on this. Uh, it's createx.org slash Cinejoy uh, slash, and you can buy tickets to see Sal interview Sam Neill Thursday night uh, on, on video and then followed by a screening of Rams. I think it's $11 to have both Sal's interview and and to watch Rams. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is very great to have you on. And, and because I think we promised it was like, when James Bond comes out, and then this is becoming like it should be a documentary in itself. When James is like, Sal is ready. And then we go, oh, it's been delayed again. Oh. And then a couple months later, it's been delayed again. And like Sal is just constantly on deck. <laughs> we'll come in and talk to James Bond. And <laughs> we're, we're looking at October right now. Might happen. Might happen. It was supposed but, to be. It was well, we gave you a James Bond book tonight. Yeah. So we did. We did get that in, but no, we're going to have to do a two-parter because I've got so much material saved up on on this this gosh darn movie, um, and what happens next? You know, they, they actually have to make Bond twenty six at this point. I look forward to that conversation. We got a little half on Red Nose Day. Hope you did see that with uh, yeah. uh, Craig and uh, and uh, uh, Catherine Tate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was fun, and uh, you know, so I we look forward to that. But of course, Sal, we don't just need James Bond in order to have excuse to have you come on the on the podcast. So thank you, because it's always a pleasure, and especially since I moved. I know we're all in lockdown anyway. I've just been like, I think on the last podcast, I even said I miss Sal. So it's great to be able to talk with you. So uh, once again, everyone, if you want to, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fanboy Planet. We appreciate the follows. You can follow us on the YouTube channel as well. You're probably watching us on it. You could be watching uh, us on it right now. Uh, there may be some bonus content in the audio version, and I think we're always going to try to do something like that to keep you coming back. Because some of you are only subscribing on iTunes and Google Play, and that's okay. Uh, but as well, you can write to me if you have any questions, comments, commentary, compliments, criticism, right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And... Uh, you know, so uh, thank you. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of Fanboy Planet. I'm Sal Pizarro with Mercury News, and happy guest of Fanboy Planet. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use our for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.